welcome to season number five of the Get Your Money Right podcast. The podcast where not only do we want you to get your money, we want you to get your money right. I'm the Money Misfit, and I'll be your host on this show as we try to reveal the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth when it comes to you and your money. And if you're finally ready to take it to the next level, head over and go pick up one of our free resources at yourmoneyright.com. Again, that's yourmoneyright.com. What's the good news, people? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where we talk about money like it's everybody's business because I truly believe if we're not good with money, it's because we don't talk about money. And this show is designed to change just that. I am your host, the Money Misfit, Jamar Dupas, and this is episode number 73. And today, today we're going to talk about how to get approved for the best mortgage every time. I'm going to virtually... To an extent, <laughs> I almost guarantee you get approved for a mortgage if you do these things, if you know this information. So if you're looking to get approved for a mortgage or really any type of loan anytime soon, the next year, two years, next few months, this is the show you want to pay attention to. I promise you that. And if this is your first time tuning in, I'd say welcome, welcome. Thank you for being here. Don't know how you found me, but I appreciate you being here. This is a different type of personal finance podcast. We talk about money as it relates to real life, as it relates to you, how you can use it to do the things you want to do, live the lifestyle you want to live, go to places you want to go, grow the wealth you want to grow and leave the legacy you want to leave, all that good stuff. And we talk about it uh, on a very, I call it a functional finance level, right? So that's what we do here. And if you want to find out more about what we do and connect with us, head over to our website at yourmoneyright.com. Again, that's yourmoneyright.com and consider becoming one of the misfits and getting one of our free resources, especially make sure you get on the email list to get my best stuff that I put out there, hands down, period, dot the end. So with that being said, there's a lot of information that I want to get into this episode, uh, but I also want to kind of make sure it's not too long. So let's get on with this deal. So we're going to talk about mortgages, right? So last week we kind of touched on it on mortgages and uh, home buying in general, right? Today we want to make sure you know exactly what's involved in the mortgage process, what the banks are looking for in a lender or a borrower, I should say, uh, when they're looking to get you a mortgage. It's not just about the house. It's about you, too. Uh, we're going to talk about the different types of mortgages. We're kind of going to breeze through those because it's really only a few that I'm going to necessarily recommend or most people get anyway. We're going to talk about the three major players when it comes to uh, what's involved in getting the approval of a mortgage and not just the approval, but the best type of mortgage. We're going to talk about what you need to gather before you apply for a mortgage. Uh, we also, of course, you know me, you know, a lot of people tell you what to do. I'm also going to tell you what not to do. So we're going to talk about what not to do before you go applying for a mortgage. And then, of course, we're going to close this thing with some final words of wisdom and things that I've learned coming through and getting our mortgage and going through a couple of mortgage processes or home buying processes. So with that being said, Let's get on with it. So what are the banks looking for, right? If you're looking to buy a house and you don't have the cash, right, or you don't want to use your cash, so you're going to go to a mortgage company or a mortgage broker or a bank 
that's going to give you a mortgage on a house to help you buy the house. What are they looking for? And one of the things I want to make sure we touch on, we talked about this before. We did a series on uh, how to improve, increase your credit score. I think it was episodes number 20, 21, 22, or 21, 22, 23, something like that. I'll put them in the show notes. But in one of those episodes, we talked about the three C's of credit. And those three C's of credit is one, credibility, two, cash, and three, collateral, right? If you can master all three, you are the ideal candidate from when somebody wants to loan you some money, right? So if you come to me and say, hey, I want to loan, I want to borrow $10,000. Well, I want to know what type of credibility you have. Who are you, right? Where are you from? What's your mama name? Who have you borrowed money from before? And did you pay them back? Have you swindled somebody else? Have you shorted somebody else? Have you gone through some hard times? Are you one of those people that always are going through hard times? You know, those type of things. I want to see what type of credibility you got. I need to call my peoples. I need to call your people, see what they say about you. That's the credibility aspect of it. Uh, cash. Do you have any cash? Do you have the ability to save money? Do you have the ability to protect yourself or pay me if maybe a paycheck come up missing or something happens? Do you have any cash on hand to get this thing popping or do you have any skin in the game? Right. Because that's part of what the cash is all about. If you're not putting up anything, why should I put up everything? Right. What risk is it to you if I just gave you a house, gave you money to buy the house and you didn't put anything in the game? Right. There's no risk for you. So if something went down, uh, something happens, you can just walk away. Right. That's what happened a lot in the early 2000s. Or should I say not early 2000, like 2007, 2008, 2009, during the home crisis we were having. Right. All those people who had these, you know, no loan or no document loans, no no money down type payments when they couldn't make their payments on their mortgages, they just walked away. Right. Because it wasn't a big deal. They, it was just like if you were renting and didn't have to pay a deposit. You just walked away if things changed, if things didn't go the way you wanted to go. And these banks were the people left with these big mortgages and these properties that they didn't want. So that's kind of what happened in 2007, 2008, 2009, amongst other things. But how much cash do you have? And then collateral. What can I get back in return? What can I hold of yours if this deal don't go through, if you don't keep your end of the bargain? Right. Um, and usually if you have one of those three things, you can get a mortgage or you can get a loan. We want to be able to say we can do all three, right? At least master two of them to get the best mortgages, to get the, the best loans, right? So those are the three C's of credit. And, and don't forget that because I know a lot of people, and even I, I've talked to you about how your credit score is built and you know what it's made of, the percentages, all that stuff. But you got to understand the foundations. If we can understand the why, we cannot, you know, we talk about not only get your money, but like get your money. Same thing with your credit and finances in, in as a whole, right? We want to get it, understand what it's about. And the root of a credit score is trying to determine your credibility, right? So we need to understand that. So we're, we're trying to build up our credibility. We're trying to say, hey, look, we are responsible with money. We're responsible with credit because these days credit is money, right? And if you're going to do business with me, you know, look, here's what I got in the game. I got some cash in the game and I got some collateral. I got some stuff uh, that's worth some things. Right. So that's what makes me an ideal person to use your money to get what I want to get, so to speak. Right. So never forget about that. Those three C's of credit. I've never heard anybody teach that, but uh, I just want to make sure we get that credibility, cash, collateral. Right. At least one of those will get you something. Uh, so what what are the types of mortgages that are out there? Usually when somebody go buys a house, 
they don't normally have cash, right, for their primary residence, especially if this is your first time buying a house, right? Most people don't have cash. And, and even me, if you ask me, I probably would not buy a house cash, right? Now, I'm not saying that's what you should do. I, look, I'm not your financial advisor. I'm not you. The way I understand money is different the way you understand money, yada, yada, yada. But I probably, even if I had the money, I probably wouldn't pay for house cash just because I didn't, I wouldn't want to tie up that much money that quickly. And that money could probably do me some better things. If now, if I couldn't find anything better to do with that money, or if I had just like a ton of money sitting around somewhere else, I just wanted to buy the house. I'd buy the house, right? Just here, buy the, buy, buy the house, right? But in my current situation, if I were to raise, uh, you know, save up over several years, one, I probably wouldn't wait that long to save $100,000 to buy a house. But if I were to do that, I think I would be a little reluctant to go ahead and just drop down $100,000 just that quick. Because once that $100,000 is in your house, it's gone. Now, you can get it back out through, you know, getting a mortgage, right, or a home equity line of credit or whatever. But, you know, it kind of defeats the purpose. But anyway, uh, what type of mortgages are there? Basically, what you hear about mainly are 15-year mortgages, 30-year mortgages, those types of things. And usually what people recommend you do is get fixed rate mortgages, And the reasons why they recommend you get fixed rate mortgages is because you know what your mortgage payment will be. Now, we talked about this before, that your mortgage payment isn't the whole picture. It's just part of the picture. So just because your mortgage has a fixed rate, it doesn't mean you'll have fixed cost, right? Because your insurance and your taxes, those things fluctuate. Of course, there's maintenance and and things like that involved in owning a house. But from a uh, what you pay on a monthly basis those are those are the, the big, big deals. And those two are very large parts of your mortgage of your home ownership. If you're not if you're not aware of it. Right. Is your insurance and your taxes. And those things change and they typically go up. They very rarely go down. Right. Uh, unless you're a senior or something. Maybe there's some type of senior homestead discounts and stuff like that. But you got to wait till you're 60, 65 or whatever it is in your county. But anyway, so we have the 15 year, we got the 30 year fixed mortgage, right? So basically what that means is if you have a $100,000 house or a $200,000 house, if you have a 15 year mortgage, you're going to take 15 years uh, to pay it off if you pay as planned. Uh, If you have a 30 year mortgage, you're going to take 30 years to pay it off if you pay according to plan. Now you can pay these things um, off sooner. You can refinance and pay them off later, which is what a lot of people end up doing. We'll talk about that another time. But there's other types of ways to other types of mortgages out there and even other type of ways to buy houses like we've mentioned before. You can buy a house cash. Right. You can buy a house on a credit card, believe it or not. Uh, and actually, if you bought a house on a credit card or some type of line of credit and you made the same payments because the way credit cards and lines of credits are calculated versus mortgages, you'll actually pay off your house faster with the same payment, with the same number. Don't dig too deep into that. We'll do a, another show or maybe a class or something so you can get the visual on that. But it's actually, if I were to do it again or if I if these things were readily available, it's probably how I would buy my house, like on a line of credit or on a credit card, right? That Don't flip out. and Don't flip out. Don't worry about it, but we'll talk about that later. But there's other ways to uh, to buy houses. In fact, overseas, like in Australia, they don't do mortgages the way we do mortgages. They do mortgages on like a line of credit, like I talked about. Uh, and they do what is called offset accounts, where they actually have savings that drive down the interest cost on their on their mortgages, but they still have access to that savings. So it's a, it's a much better way to buy a house than what we have here in the States, in my opinion. 
And not even my opinion. If you look at the numbers, the facts of it is that those are better ways to buy houses. So when people come from overseas like Australia, the UK, and they see that we have these 30 year fixed rate mortgages, they're like, what is that and why? Yeah, I want to get the offset accounts that I that I get over in my country. And if you're curious about that, just Google offset accounts, offset mortgages, offset. I think they call offset accounts. Just Google it. You'll you'll figure it out. But those are the different types of mortgages out there. And then there's different kinds, right? There's the FHA. You've heard that. That's uh, the Fannie Mae one. That's the one that the uh, the Federal Housing Administration allows you to get a small down payment as little as 3.5% uh, on the house. And that, that's there to help everybody become homeowners, right? So even people who don't have 20% down payment, which we didn't, we didn't have uh, 20, well, we had 20%, but we didn't put down 20% uh, on the house. We actually didn't get an FHA either. We actually got a conventional mortgage. But at that point, when we uh, we first started applying, we were going for the FHA because it was the only thing that we could get because our credit was one. Our credit score was so bad. Uh, so we wouldn't even consider getting anything else. And I didn't think I didn't know that much about mortgages. I didn't even know you can get conventional mortgages at down payments less than 20 percent. We actually got a conventional mortgage with a five percent down payment. Because we had got our, our, our credit scores up uh, to a decent amount. And so we found out that that was even an option. So that's what we did for our personal home. We did a conventional mortgage with a 5% down payment. So what's the difference between the FHA and a conventional? Uh, basically, like I said, the FHA is from the Federal Housing Administration. And again, they let you uh, get down payments as low as 3.5%. But the house has to have certain criteria. It has to have the criteria that they're looking for. You have to have a minimum score that they're looking for. Uh, there is something that's called a uh, mortgage insurance premium that you have to pay for, which is more expensive than mortgage insurance from a conventional from a conventional lender. Right. We talked about this last week. You have MIP, which is a mortgage insurance premium and PMI, which is private mortgage insurance. PMI and MIP are basically the same thing. This is insurance that you have to pay for and it only protects the mortgage company. Right. If you weren't able to pay or if you defaulted on your loan, they have this insurance policy that will give them their money back as well as give them the house back, which is crazy. But anyway, we can learn a lot from them. If we do, if we do our investments like they do. We can learn a lot. See how they back themselves up. They don't lose. Right. They anyway, I don't go on. I don't want to go on that tangent. But anyway, so the FHA is backed by the government. Conventional loans are usually from private companies and things like that, but they still a lot of times they're backed by once they package this stuff up and sell your mortgage to somebody else, it's still uh, it still gets backed by the government. Right. And that's kind of the way things go. But anyway, conventional is more lenient. Right. It doesn't have as many uh, restrictions and it's not as expensive as far as the cost is concerned. Today on FHA, when you get this mortgage insurance premium or this MIP, not only is it more expensive than a PMI, but it's harder to get rid of. If you put in uh, less than 10 percent, you actually cannot get rid of the MIP unless you refinance out of your FHA. Right. So you have to pay this MIP the entire period. So if you got a 15 year or 30 year, which you probably have a 30 year. Right. You have to pay for this MIP for the full 30 years if you pay as planned. The only way to get out of that is to refinance. And usually refinance has additional cost. Now, FHA does have programs that allow you to do what they call streamline a refinance where you don't necessarily have to go back through the appraisal process and stuff like that. But there's still some costs involved in it. 
the conventional mortgages, if you pay less than 20%, you don't have to pay private mortgage. Uh, you don't have to pay private mortgage insurance for the entire uh, time. You can pay it, depends on the terms, but typically once you get about 20% of equity in the house, right? So the equity is maybe what you would have gotten anyway if you would have put the 20% down payment. But if you didn't put the 20% down payment, they're trying to get to that number, right? So for example, on a $100,000 house, they want the loan to be $80,000 or less. This is what they call the loan to value ratio, right? They only want to have the mortgage of $80,000 on a home that's worth $100,000 because that 20% or that $20,000 is the cushion uh, for the value of their home. So if there's a downturn in the economy or anything like that and you foreclose, they can still get some money back and they'll still have some value out of the house when they turn around to sell it, right? So that's basically what it's all about. And they want to make sure, of course, you have some skin in the game. They're trying to protect themselves, right, for for in that case that you cannot pay, right? But you can get rid of the PMI through refinancing. You can get rid of PMI once you get that down below that 8%. And you can a lot of times just negotiate and ask them if they'll take it off, right? So there's some there's more, there's more leniency there. But the conventionals are also gonna a lot of times give you better rates. You'll have a, a bigger market to, to choose from. And they'll give you better rates because it's not as much paperwork. And a lot of times they can close a whole lot faster. So Though that's that as far as what's what the mortgage is concerned. You got your 15 year, you got your 30 year. There's different, you know, years and stuff like that as well. But typically you got your 15 and 30, right? You got your FHA and your conventional, and then you have your down payment requirements, right? So conventional loans usually want a 20% down, right? FHA you can go as small as 3.5%, which is what most people get is a 3.5%. Um, there also are VA loans and things like that, which are super special. If you're a veteran, uh, that's the way to go, right? Like I, <laughs> I wouldn't even I wouldn't even look at anything else. I just go through the VA on those loans. Um, but those are the, those are the down payment requirements. So if you have a hundred thousand dollar house on a conventional, they want you to have twenty thousand dollars to put down, and that's not including closing cost and cost of uh, acquire the property and appraisals and things like that. That's just for the down payment on the mortgage itself. And that's also going to be based on the appraised value of the house, right? So just because somebody is asking a hundred thousand dollars doesn't mean the house is worth a hundred thousand dollars. That's really important that you understand that the market value may be worth a hundred and twenty thousand dollars, right? So you're automatically in that situation, if you have a house that is valued at $120,000 and you buy it for $100,000, right, you already have $20,000 worth of equity in it, right? See how that works? So in that case, you can get your PMI off or your MIP off, you know, much faster, uh, you know, things like that. So that's kind of what happened with us. We bought our house below market value which I recommend everybody do learn how to find houses that are good deals and, and negotiate and make good deals. So we bought our house below market value. So when we moved in, we had somewhere around $20,000 of equity uh, when we moved into our house, like from that day forward. And then of course we've talked about this before the values in, the, in our area has gone up uh, um, significantly. So we have even more equity in the house based on, you know, what we bought the house for, because we knew the market, the realtor who was selling it to us didn't really know it that well, which bless her heart. Uh, but I thank you for the blessing. Anyway, <laughs> and so just because a house, you pay $100,000 for a house doesn't mean it has to be worth 100000 In fact, 
you can pay $100,000 for a house, but it's only worth $80,000. In that case, the your your bank may require you to put more money down because they want the loan to value numbers to be that 80-20, right? They, they don't care about what the asking price is. They want to know what the market value is. And they're going to do that based on uh, other other properties in the area, what other properties are sold for. So that's something you need to consider as well. But anyway, hopefully that makes sense, right? So those are those are the, the types of mortgage: fifteen year, thirty year, FHA, conventional, and then there's different down payments that are required. I don't necessarily like very large down payments on houses. I know that is frowned upon, especially in the fi- personal finance community, that you want to put a twenty percent down payment. I I don't like large down payments on homes because, for to, in my opinion, there's only two safe places in when it, when you're dealing with a mortgage. Either it is when you have very little. In, into the game or it's completely paid off everything in between I'm all about protecting myself first so if, if it's going to cost me every dollar I have to put 20% down I'm not putting 20% down right because I need money I need money to protect myself to protect my family it's fam- my family first right we actually end up paying PMI because we only put 5% down but our PMI got refinanced out because of course like i said we have uh, our property values have gone up and of course we bought the house under market value so that's that understand there's three major players when it comes to whether or not you get approved for a mortgage and the first one we've already talked about a little bit is the credit score right i'm not going to get into the credit score but the higher credit score the better we've talked about how to get great credit scores I'm going to put a link to the show notes in the, the three-part series we did on credit, and I'm, sh- I'm sure we've talked about credit a bunch of different times during the during the show, but you can go get the archives of the show at yourmoneyright.com. I think we start off with uh, episode 20. We start talking about credit and how to increase your credit score. I recommend everybody take the time to get the highest credit score you possibly can uh, before you buy your house because you're just going to get better rates, better rates, you get better, better payments or, or lower cost. Uh, for the most part, and I'm all about lower costs. And it's easy to get a higher credit score, right? It's not this difficult thing. It's not this mysterious thing once you understand how it's how it's drawn up, right? Uh, the, the one thing that I think a lot of people don't get is they think that, you know, because they have a great credit score, that their finances must, must be like top notch. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you got your stuff on point. The, the next big player when it comes to whether or not they're going to give you a mortgage is the debt to income ratio. You've probably heard of it. Maybe it's confused you a little bit. But really all this is is how much money you owe to other people relative to the income that you have. Right? So how much money you got coming in that's going out to somebody else in a form of debt payment, right? Something you bought a year ago or two years ago or whatever the situation may be. In. So basically all they do is they take your income, whatever your income is for the most part, they do your gross income. So if you, if you do $50,000 or let's say uh, $4,000 a month, right? But if $2,000 a month is credit card payments, is student loans, is car notes, is furniture that you got payments on, anything like that. If, out of the $4,000 that you make is going to debt. Your debt to income ratio is 50% because 2,000 is 50% of 4,000. 
they're not going to loan you or give you a mortgage if you owe that many people that much money on a regular basis. And rightfully so, because you don't have a lot of margin for error. If something goes wrong, if a paycheck comes up missing, they're probably not going to get paid. And then they got to go through the foreclosure situation and stuff like that. So that's what the debt to income ratio is all about is basically how much money you're and It's only your minimums. Right. So what are your minimum obligations based on, uh, you know, relative to how much money you're bringing in? Right. For the most part, they want you to be well under 40 percent. I follow a Dave Ramsey rule when he talked about your housing should uh, be no more than 20 for 25 percent of your take home pay. I think that's a really good rule of thumb. I think it's a good rule of thumb because it keeps you lean. We talked about this before being lean, liquid and relevant and, 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 and relevant. Right. So part of being lean and one of the things that I see that hurts people the most in my coaching clients and people that we've done one on ones with is their housing cost takes up so much of their income that they don't have any room to do anything else. Right. They don't have any room to invest heavily. They don't have any room to to take vacations. They don't have any room to breathe. Right. Because their their housing expenses are, are super expensive. Now, some people in, in areas of the country where there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Right. You live in like San Francisco or the Bay Area or New York in the city, things like that. They're really expensive places to live. So you have to be creative. Right. Or you need to move. You got to figure out what's important to you. And that's based on you and your lifestyle. So I'm never going to tell you how to spend your money, but just kind of give you some ideas and maybe some warnings to, to, for things to look out for. Uh, and, but that's an important thing to consider. Like, you know, how much your house is costing you on a regular basis will affect what you're able to do. And we talked about this all over and over and over, like the chief cause of financial failure is giving up what you want most for what you want now. So you got to be careful, especially when you start actually going looking at these houses. They're going to show you the prettiest houses they can find. And the realtor, though they may be on your side, they have an incentive to show you a more expensive home, home, a house, right? Because they get paid based on a percentage of the sale, right? So they may be your best friend, but the incentive is to get you the innate incentive, the the incentive, the <laughs> how should I say this? The uh, temptation of the flesh, <laughs> right, is to get you in the most house that you can afford. And a lot of times they want to know what your pre-approval is from the bank. And they're going to say, for instance, if you got pre-approved for three hundred fifty thousand dollars, they're going to try to show you houses in the three hundred fifty thousand dollar range unless you tell them something different. Right. And what you want to pay for a house should be based on your lifestyle and the things that you want most, not what you got approved for by the bank. But anyway, so you want to focus on your debt to income ratio. What are some of the hacks that you can use to make sure you lower your debt to income ratio? Well, number one, if you have big car notes, like if you have a five, six hundred, seven hundred dollar car note or whatever your car note is, and it takes a large chunk of your take home pay or your pay in general, Maybe you want to consider getting that paid off before you apply for a mortgage, right? Because that can that frees up a whole lot, right? And, and, and if you feel like you're going to need to buy a car, at least wait till you have uh, your house and then, then you can go back and get a car note or whatever. But you can hustle, hustle, hustle and knock out that car note, right? You can free up 
three, four, five, six hundred, seven hundred, whatever it is you drive, seven hundred dollars, five hundred dollars. I think the average car note right now is five fifteen. You can free up five hundred dollars off of your debt to income ratio, and that looks really good to the banks. Right. I think our debt to income ratio was somewhere around 20 percent or 25 percent, something like that. We know it was very favorable. That's why they they offered us a a 5 percent down payment deal. They offered us a better deal with a better rate. Once we got our credit scores up, our debt to income ratio was looking pretty good. All right. So that's that's one hack that you can do. You can actually lower your payments. You can refinance in other areas. I don't recommend that you refinance. I don't recommend that you do anything with your credit you know, the, you know, within the first, you know, within six months of you applying for a mortgage, really within the, the year, right? If you know you're going to buy a house next year, don't apply for nothing else for a while. Just sit back, relax, work on building your credit, uh, and then don't apply for anything until after you've closed on your house. Please, please don't apply for any. Please don't buy a car when you're in the middle of trying to close on your house. Don't do it. All right. Just because you got pre-approved don't mean it's final. <laughs> okay. Don't do it anyway so those are some of the things you could do um you can lower your payments uh student loans student loans are a little bit tricky because from my experience of people i've talked to every bank treats these differently right some people will take one percent of your payments or one percent of your total student loan balance and they'll use that against your debt to income ratio some people will actually take what your actual minimum payments are uh as you know, whatever the student loan, the student loan companies are actually reporting on your credit report, they'll use that number. Now, some of you are maybe in a income based repayment deal. That's when things get a little tricky because on the income based repayment plan, you have to recertify every year based on your income. So banks and your mortgage companies may be a little skeptical of that because they may say, well, maybe it may be it's only taken up 10% today, but if it adjusts next year, it may take up 20% of your debt-to-income ratio, and that could be a huge chunk. Also, the debt-to-income ratio also includes what your mortgage will be, so they're thinking about what your mortgage is going to be, what the income ratio, that the income ratio is going to be after you close on the house, right? So take that in consideration. That's important to know because it's not just based on what you're paying today. It's going to be based on what you're paying today and then what will happen once you close on a house when you have to pay this mortgage. All that is included, right? So focus on that. We already talked about focus on the credit, right? Number two is focus on the debt to income ratio. These are two things are really big and they're going to make the, the biggest difference when it comes to how much you pay and how much you can pay, right? Your credit score is going to really determine your rate, right? And your debt to income ratio is really the thing that determines whether or not they're going to approve you and for how much they're going to approve you for. Right. So be, be real, be a real stickler for that and pay attention to that too. The next biggest thing is going to be employment and income history. Uh, also your payment history, but your employment history is really important. And this is going to be difficult for people who are commission sales are entrepreneurs that don't get a regular paycheck. Right. Because what they want to see is some regularity in your income. And usually what they're going to do is take the average of the last couple of years. Right. So if you made one hundred and fifty thousand dollars this year, but you only made one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year before, they're probably going to maybe average those and say, OK, your income is one hundred thousand. 
right? So that's what they want to see. And they want to see that you are haven't changed jobs within that last two years. They want to see you in the same job and preferably, uh, or, or, you know, preferably they want to see you in the same job and they want to see you in the same line of work over a period of time. This makes them feel better that you will remain there and you will have some steady income or at least have skills enough to maintain that job or that maintain that type of income if you were to lose your job or, or whatever the case may be. So the employment history is really important. If you don't have a steady job or if you don't have the steady uh, income, your records is what's going to be important. If you're an entrepreneur, your profit and loss statements, they're going to see that. They're going to see that over those past couple of years. They want to see how many losses you're taking. A lot of times as entrepreneurs, we take big losses. Right. For tax reasons. Uh, but that can hurt you when it comes to trying to prove that you're actually making enough money to buy a house. Right. So you got to think about that ahead of time, uh, not when it's time to try to get approved. You got to start planning for that ahead of time. So hopefully you're listening to this way before you're in your home buying process. Right. So think about that. Uh, and then. Uh, so, yeah. So those are the three major players. Right. Maybe one other one is they want to see some history that you are paying for your housing yourself. Right. Rental history, previous uh, mortgage uh, payments on time, those type of things. So maybe I'll add that fourth one in there. Right. So you got your credit score, your debt to income ratio, your employment history or income history, and then maybe your rental history, your uh, payment history. So are have you been on time? Have you shown that you can actually pay for your housing on a regular basis over the last two to five years or whatever it may be, right? Uh, So what do you need to do before you go to apply? Well, this is really the info gathering part of the process, right? You need to gather all as much information as possible because they're going to dig into it, right? Like you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to not include certain things. They want everything, (laughs) right? And when I say everything, I mean everything they want to know everything right so this is your time to gather your info number one check your credit report right Uh, so before you even walk into the bank and you start giving them information check your own stuff make sure your credit reports are accurate we've talked about this in uh, over and over and over 80 some percent of all credit reports have errors on them make sure your credit reports are clean and they're reporting what they're supposed to be reporting on all three credit bureaus Right. So don't forget about that. Get your financials in order. If you aren't aware of where your money is coming from and where it's going, now is the time because they want to know where it's coming from and where it's going. If you have a check like just pop up in your account, that's not a payroll check. They want to know where that money came from. They're going to ask you and they're going to get you to certify that and get a notary and give the reason why that check popped up into your account and where that income came from. Right. Like that's that's how detailed it gets. They want to know all your checking accounts, all your savings accounts. They want to know all your assets and they're going to get them. And if you don't give them, if you don't tell them the truth, then, you know, you you do that at your own risk. But, you know, they want to know what you owe. Right. So know what you owe. You need to know this stuff. You need to know what your payments are. If you're in deferment for any of your student loans, they're going to include that. <laughs> right. So you can't be able to just escape it because you're in deferment or forbearance on your student loans. You're not going to be able to get that on the radar and that not be counted towards your debt to income ratio. Right. So uh, know what your minimum payments are. And if you can, like I said earlier, get your minimum payments down. See if you can get them down as much as possible 
on a more uh, permanent or semi-permanent basis so you can just kind of free that thing up. Uh, get an idea of where you want to live, how much it costs to live there, how much it'll cost for you to commute, how much of a down payment you want to pay, what type of lifestyle you want to have, right? So don't go in there into a bank and have them determine how much house you should buy. That is a bad, bad, bad mistake because a lot of times they're going to approve you for way more house than you probably actually want, right? Or at least not way more house, but way more mortgage, <laughs> right? Because there's a difference between a house and mortgage. Uh, we've already talked about this. You want to make sure you have your two years of work history. So they, you may need to see uh, paycheck stubs. Uh, they want to see bank statement, statements, statements from all your banks, uh, that type of thing. Rental history. If you've been renting from somebody or mortgage payment history, if you've been, if you have a mortgage and most of the time, the mortgage is going to be on a credit report. So it's not necessarily something you need to pull up. It's going to be a challenge if you like rent from somebody that, you know, from like a parent or, you know, a landlord that don't really keep very good records. What you'll usually have to do is get them get a letter from them that states, hey, you've been paying on time for the last two years or whatever the case may be. And I want to know all your addresses over the past several years, too. So, you know, gather all that stuff. One important thing, it's a cool trick. And people always ask me, how do you find the most accurate credit score? There is no such thing as an accurate credit score. Well, let me take that back. There is a such thing as an accurate credit score, but I can't tell you what's your most accurate credit score. The only thing you can do to find the most accurate credit score is to ask your potential lenders what credit bureau they use and what scoring model that they use. And then you can go pay for that. And then you will know. And and let me say this. Don't let anybody run your credit until you're ready. Until you're ready, you know, you've got all your information together. You've got you, you felt like you're ready to make the move. You're confident about your debt to income ratios. You're confident about your, where your credit reports are. You're confident about where your credit score is. Then you let them run your credit scores. But don't let them run your credit scores until you're ready. Right. Ask them who they use, what scoring model they use. So most of the time, the mortgage is probably a, a FICO, some FICO score. FICO has several different types of uh, scoring models. Ask them what scoring model that they use and from what credit bureau that they use. And then you can go pay FICO to see exactly what that number is. Right. Don't pay FICO until you're ready. Right. You don't have to pay FICO every single month, you know, leading up to it. You don't credit karma, Vantage scores, all these. They're going to have different scores. Right. But the most accurate scores only from the credit bureau and the scoring model that your mortgage company is going to use. So I recommend that you do that first before you let them run your score because you don't want any inquiries on your credit report if you're not ready to make that move because it will count against you. Say, for instance, they they run your score and it's not as high as you want and you got to come back, you know, maybe it'll take six months to try to build it up or whatever the case may be. That inquiry that you hit that got hit, you know, six months ago took your your score down a few points. Right. So don't let them take your score down a few points until you you know you're ready to start, you know, making your move. Right. So lastly, here's uh, what not to do. Right. <laughs> and we've already kind of touched on this stuff. Right. Don't apply for new credit. Right. If you're getting ready to buy a house, don't apply for new credit at all. The only thing you want to be focused on is your mortgage. Right. So don't apply for any new credit. Do not close any credit accounts that are in good standing. Don't get yourself involved with these these um, what am I looking for? Credit sharks, these collectors like 
leave these collection people alone. Don't start unless you get all this stuff in writing and you know that they're going to take it off of your report. Leave them people alone. Right. Do not run up your credit cards. Don't go buying stuff, getting prepared for you to buy your house, to move into your house until you've closed on the house. I can't stress this enough. Do not buy a car. <laughs> OK, this goes ba- based on what I was already saying, but I just want to make sure we specifically say do not buy a car when you're in the middle of buying a house or right before you buy a house. Why? One, you start taking hits on your credit Two, a car note is a huge chunk of your income, more than likely. Right. So you lower your debt to income ratio, which lowers your chance for approvals and not just for approvals, but approvals for the best rates for the best mortgages. I can't tell you how it feels to be able to go in and be able to pick and choose who you want to do business with, right? Not hoping and biting your nails, wondering if you're going to get approved, but knowing you're going to get approved. Like I go somewhere, I know I'm going to get approved, right? Like I, I, there's no, there's no, I don't, you know, there's no if, ands, or buts about it because I know what they're looking for. I just, you know, went to the credit union the other day and you know, got a ten thousand dollar line of credit. Just I knew I, I knew I was gonna get approved for it. I, I know my credit scores. I know my debt to income ratio. I know my history. Blah blah blah. Right? Like that's a great feeling. So we're not just talking about getting approved, but getting approved for the best rates for the most options. Right? So don't do these things. And I'm telling you that because I've learned through experience and then talking with other people, of other people I've coached and stuff like that. I've seen this done, and people for some reason want to go buy a new car because I guess you get in this buying fever. You don't have a new house, so why not get a new car to go with it? Don't do that until after you, at least if you have to do it after you buy, after you close on your house, okay? Do not be late on any payments. I can't stress that enough. Don't be late on any payments. And again, like I said, do not let anybody run your credit. Don't co-sign for anybody on a credit card. Don't do, don't do any of that stuff, right? So that's it, right? So just to wrap it up, remember, you know, Remember what the banks are looking for, right? They're looking to do business with people who have some credibility, right? Remember we talked about the three C's of credit. Those are important. There's different type of mortgages. You can talk with your mortgage broker and you can talk with your spouse. You can talk with yourself, figure out what you want to do, what lifestyle you want to live. And that's how you determine how long you want to pay for your mortgage, uh, things like that. I'm a big fan of a 30-year mortgage. Uh, because I like the flex- flexibility. I like the, the ability for you to be lean. A lot of people love the 15 year mortgage because it's, you know, you know, in 15 years, it'll be paid off. The thing about the 15 year mortgage is it could be more expensive as far as what your when your cash flow is concerned. Again, I like the 30 year mortgage because I can pay it like a 15 year if I want to. If you have other debts, I recommend that you take the difference between the 15 year and the 30 year and you pay off those other debts while you have the 30 year mortgage. And then once you've snowballed that, once you've paid off your other debts, you take that difference and you knock it out. You knock out your 30 year mortgage if paying off your home is important to you. Remember the three major players, right? Uh, Your credit score, your debt to income ratio and your history, your employment history and your rental history. Right. Those are the big major deals. That's what they're looking for. Right. When it comes down to it, those are the big major players. And if you can focus on those three or four things every single time you'll get approved like every single time. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it unless you just made somebody mad, right? Uh, remember, go over what not to do. Gather your information. Get your financial house in order, right? And uh, and remember lifestyle, right? Don't ever forget that it's all about the lifestyle that you want to live. It's about how you picture your life not to keep up with somebody else, 
right? Not to impress other people who you really don't like anyway, who really don't care anyway, right? It's about you, your family, and your goals, the things that you want most. And your home has to fit into that plan, that overall plan. If you don't want to buy a house, then don't, right? Like it's, this is your life. If that's not in your lifestyle, that's not in your wheelhouse, don't let other people press you into doing it, right? If you're not ready, don't do it, right? Take your time. These houses ain't going nowhere. I know you said, well, they just get houses get more and more and more expensive. Well, you know, that's just that's life, right? Things get more expensive, but prices do come down. What goes up must come down, right? <laughs> so uh, it, they're not always up and the deals will be out there. The house that's meant for you is out there and it's going to be there for you whether you try to rush this thing or not. And the worst thing to do is to rush yourself into a bad deal that then in turns becomes horrible deal and those things are hard to get out of they're definitely hard to get out of without paying an additional price so take your time don't rush into it these houses will be there they will be available if you want to buy a house your house is out there waiting on you get yourself prepared right the grass is always greener on the other side and the reason why it's greener on the other side it's because you're so busy looking at their grass and not tending to your own grass, right? <laughs> so tend to your grass, get your skills up, get the things you need to make sure your grass can not only be green, but stay green. And it's a real good green, not just like you spray paint it and it's fake and it's going to wash off when it rains. All right. Forgive the metaphors, but I, I'm serious about that. Take your time. Get yourself prepared. Sharpen your axe first before you try to cut down this tree. You do that, you'll be happier in the long run. I promise you. So with that being said, that's all I got. Hopefully that was helpful. If you thought so, let me know. And let other people know too. If you know somebody's getting ready to buy a house within the next couple of months, next couple next couple of years or whatnot, let them know about this show. Share this thing out. We continue to grow because of you. The only way we grow is because you share this show out with other people and the feedback we've been getting has been great. I appreciate everybody who has been sharing this thing out. Uh, So let's just keep going. If you haven't, leave us a rating and review in iTunes. We really appreciate that. Excuse me, not iTunes. It's now Apple Podcasts. I got to I got to remember that. (laughs) But, you know, that's that also helps us a whole lot because people can see, look, there's other people listening to this and this show is beneficial. And if it is beneficial, I want to make sure we get this out. If it's not beneficial, I want to know too, right? So what do I got to do to make this thing different? Because I want to be make sure that I am useful and we make sure we never forget about the original intent of the show. And it's so we can save marriages through better finances and people not only just getting money, but really getting their money, really understanding how money works for you so you can function in this world, not just getting by, but getting ahead, getting above and getting your dreams met and achieved so that's what we're all about so again uh thank you so much for listening i really do appreciate you being here i love you and god bless mps mps